And welcome to the second Let's Run.com podcast of 2019. This is our second in a row after agreeing to make it weekly things. We're two for two. Uh, so let's see if we can keep that streak going. We got a lot to talk about this week. We had the Houston Half Marathon last weekend. We've got some great track action this weekend in Boston at the New Balance Indoor Grand Prix. We've got what was the world's richest half uh, marathon in Dubai coming up on Thursday night for our American fans. We've got uh, the meet at the Armory, the Dr. Sander invite. And at the end of the podcast, we're going to get to our threads of the week and some exclusive audio from the Nike 4% shoe. So stay tuned for that. But before we get to all that, uh, we have some distressing news. This is Jonathan Galt, by the way, one of your co-hosts. And I'm going to be joined by... Uh, let's run.com co-founders robert and weldon johnson and yeah we heard some disturbing news this morning from robert right before we were beginning the podcast he's trying to kick a coke habit robert are you okay i've got bad news folks i've been unable to do it and i'm gonna do it right on air the coca-cola is too hard to kick i didn't want to i said i like to drink beer during the podcast i think i'd rather give up beer than coke and there you go you heard me just start drinking it on my ear. I apologize. We're glad you're okay, Robert. Uh, that's the big thing. And, you know, addiction's tough. So uh, maybe, actually, maybe next week. I had a Coke during the pre-show when we were talking about it. Y'all heard me open that one. This could be potentially a national bohemian beer, the beer of Baltimore. I don't want to confess. I think I might have family members listening. Well, I know Weldon's listening, but, you know, people that actually. And Weldon, we were debating uh, whether you were going to take uh, the Floyds of Leadville, one of our sponsors, whether you were going to take one of their CBD supplements during the uh, podcast. Have you decided on that? Yeah, last podcast, we said we should, uh, you know, test out the Floyds of Leadville CBD products. I've never had one, and you guys made it sound like it was like smoking a joint, but these things are designed for recovery. So I have a, you know, there's like creams here I can rub on. You know, my back's bugging me. I had to go do a, not a CrossFit workout with my wife, but I must admit I'm a bit sore. Or there's like a um, oil I can put underneath the tongue. You guys want me to do that one? That one probably be a little more quick acting. See how I feel. Yeah, if you if you, I would say that one, try try that one maybe. Okay, here it is. Six hundred milligrams hemp oil, full spectrum select CBD. Um, so Hopefully, you feel better Floyd, by the end of Floyd the podcast. Floyd's of Leadville. If you're interested in recovery products, CBD recovery products, check them out. Use code Let's Run Ten to get ten percent off. All right, here goes the CBD hemp oil going underneath the tongue. Okay, good to go. Well, I think we if should. You, if you're a younger viewer, please understand. Weldon never had a drink till he was like 22, 23 years of age. He was that's why he ran fourth in the country. So, be a straight lace, please. Thank you. Good, solid advice, Robert. All right. Well, I think let's start with Houston since that one was the most recent event to occur. You know, there's a lot of talk about there. Emily Sisson obviously ran really well. There was a really dramatic ending to the men's race. Uh, you know, three way kick at the end and obviously the wrong turn by Jamal Yima and that sort of threw things off, allowing Shira Katata to come through for the win. Really exciting finish there. But is that what you guys want to talk about? Do you guys want to talk about the sub-210 possibilities? I, I, I think we talk about Houston, but we don't need to talk about the the winners. I'm, I'm not trying to be xenophobic or anything, but everybody knows Shira Katata is a stud. Bridget Koskai, she very well – I mean, I'm already excited for the London Marathon. She may be the best in the world right now. She's just in form and – 
doing so well. But to me, obviously, predominantly American audience, I think we should talk about the Americans. Emily Sisson, I mean, she talked big going into the race about Molly Huddle's American record possibly getting it. That seemed extreme. I mean, if you look at her track credentials, you know, she's run, what, 1502, I think, for, for Sisson, whereas Huddle's like a 1440 person. You're like, why would she be able to do that? And yet she came within five seconds of the record. So an amazing showing for Sisson, lived up to the hype. And I really think the question for her is, guys, where do we think she goes? She, it's come out last week also that she's going to be running London. So what is the over-under on her performance? John, I think you've got a number. Yeah, I, I set the over-under at 223 flat. And that is the exact time that Jordan Nassay ran in Boston in her debut in 2017. And that's also the fastest debut marathon by any American women. So you you could make the argument that that's very aggressive, that saying putting the debut record as the over-under is a, a bit too much of an ask. But here's the thing. We've seen this sort of thing before. Ryan Hall, 2007 Houston Half Marathon, he comes out and runs... 59.43, 59.43, and then he runs what I believe is the fastest debut marathon ever by an American in London uh, three months later, 208. So I, I don't think it's ridiculous to say that based on this performance, where again, she ran five seconds off the fastest half marathon ever by an American woman. She ran significantly faster than what Hase was running before Boston 2017, and she's running on a fast race course in London where she'll have someone to run with pretty much the whole way, you would think, in Molly Huddle or close to it. I, I don't think it's outrageous to put the debut record as the over-under. What, what say you guys? I think that's a good mark to put it out there. This is Wells and Johnson, by the way. It's you know curious what she can do. Like Jordan Hesse was meant for the marathon. We've heard Sisson was meant for the roads before she, she ever ran a road race at a college. People were saying, like, watch her in the long distance stuff. So it's very exciting. And with his say, having been injured the last two years, someone of that next generation to sort of step up with Shalane Flanagan, Des Linden getting up there in age and they've won their majors and we, we need the next generation to come along. And also we're talking about someone who was fifth in the race in Houston. So it's, it, the Kenyan women are and Ethiopian women are turning to the roads. They're pushing the sport to a new level and I feel like it's sort of like maybe where the men's sport was like 10 years ago. So it might be even harder for Emily Sisson. You know, if she runs 222 in, in London, she's going to probably be four minutes behind, five minutes behind the winner. Well, that's a really good point. I, I hadn't thought about that. I mean, I, I think that for a number of years, people have sort of been wondering why American women are relatively better at the marathon than, than American men. And I thought perhaps it was because American men are too tall. You know, six feet tall, a lot of American men is much taller than the average elite marathoner. Whereas the women, there's not as big as a height discrepancy. But perhaps it could be just the fact that there aren't as many, you know, Africa to this point is still pretty much male dominated. It's becoming less and less so. So as more and more women start competing in Africa, it could be that the norm, I mean, look at last year, we had like six women break 219 in the marathon. It could be the norm that these races are starting to be won in two women's races are run in 217, 218, 216. That's your 203, 204, 205. So then an American man, American woman who runs, you know, 220, 221, even 222, that's like your 209, 210, 211. It's a good time for an American, but not really that competitive on the world stage. That's really interesting. I hadn't quite thought about that because it's a good time, but. Th- th- there's going to be people way faster than her in London. But I, I do think the 223 is, is a good thing for his, for Sisson. I mean, by the way, well, let me correct you. You talked about her being the new generation. She's 21 days younger than Jordan Say. So they're basically the same generation. But 
I think you say is, is a same generation. Yeah. Oh, did you? They're the um, new generation. Both. Yeah. Them. And I, I think that, you know, Hisei sort of was made for the roads and I think she's a good comparable because Sisson has a 31, 25, 10,000 PR. Hisei's a 31, 39, 5K, it's 1502 versus 1528. So Sisson definitely can run that, but I don't think it's a guarantee. I mean, the reason why I think she's going to do something like that, and I would say under, well, she'll be under it halfway. Let's put it that way is because Ray Tracy told me what, I think it was 24. 14 in Boston. He's like, look, this she's going to be amazing at the marathon. And Ray knows what he's talking about. And we've seen it at the half marathon. Until it's done, you know, it's just speculation. And one reason, I, there's actually an, an illustrative person from Houston. I'm going to mention a name, John. I'm going to test your knowledge. John, folks, is a genius about running. He's a good memory. John, does the name Buze Dariba mean anything to you? She ran. Yeah, Houston. I mean, she she's, she's a great road racer. She's beaten, I think she beat Molly Huddle... She's beaten her several times on the roads. Uh, re- really outstanding road racer at the lower distances. She made her debut in Houston, and yeah, I didn't see wow. a name in the results. I don't think she did very well, right? Wow, John, John is really good, folks. So, Buzi Dereba is the is a you know an Ethiopian. Um, she's probably beaten. The reason why I mentioned her, she, she beat, she won the United Airlines New York City half last year, just out kicking Emily Sisson. So Sisson was second, Dereba was first. Uh, Dereba is twenty four years of age officially her prs are 1450 for 5000 so that's better than sisson well i guess on the on the 10000 it's 3133 so she's only run a couple well she's actually run two so that's actually slower than sisson but anyway she, she made her and she's run 6650 for the half marathon last year in houston last year so that's um you know 40 seconds faster than what sisson ran this year right but she she debuted in houston it wasn't terrible but it was only 22806 for fourth place so we can't say oh cuz she's done this in the half she's definitely going to run is a, is a runner equally probably a little bit better than Sisson and she's 228. Of course. Of course. Any other points on the women's race in Houston or should we move on to the men? I want to talk about the men. I mean, I, I think that, you know, we know who won, but from an American standpoint, guys, what we were talking a lot last time was we spent these questions. Like, and I think we should have some more questions this week. Will an American man break 210 this year? And I said no, unless Leonard Career runs a marathon. After Houston, I'm doubling down on that. I mean, is there anything from Houston that that was really encouraging from an American standpoint? I mean, there were some. Don't, don't get me wrong, John. Right, there were some good runs, some PRs. Um, yeah, I mean, Reed Fisher's Dick. run was pretty impressive. He's you know unsponsored guy uh, running with the Tim Men Elite, and he ran uh, 62.08, I believe. He was the top American finisher. Uh, and he was, you know, he was fourth at USA's on the track in the 10,000 last year. He, that's 6206. I'm sorry. I uh, showed him two seconds. Definitely a good run for that guy. He's only 23, you know, but the idea that anything, and when the top guy in Houston's running 6206, I mean, 6206, that's, that's fine. But there was, there was no one in Houston who I was really thinking, oh man, like this is going to be the guy to do it. I, like, I guess Shadrach Biwat is the the get the best marathoner in that field he dnf he was tripped and fell at the start of the race so it's not really a fair assessment but you know i wasn't really expecting to be blown away by any of the results in houston and i wasn't you know 6206 that's that's a fine run but it's not going to get people really excited about whether this guy can break 210 right and, and that's what i was thinking i mean if you look at you know fisher was the top american but he wasn't sort of the top non-african i mean patrick Tiernan beat him what by close to a minute um and dewey griffins of, of great britain i mean if you want to see what a 209 looks like griffins has a 209 49 pr from frankfurt and he beat america's best by 22 seconds so he was running in the what 60 40s 
Um, and, and if you really look at the, the equivalency charts, you know, John Kellogg's chart has a, has a 210 at sort of under 6130. McMillan has it at 6146. So, uh, you know, I, I know the conditions weren't great. Maybe they can do it. But if someone had run where Patrick Karen had run in Houston, I'd be confident that, yeah, maybe they can break 210. Uh, you know, right now it's more of a hope and a prayer, and it's looking like some more 212s and 213s. And speaking of 213, guys, we did have a 213, right, in the marathon. Tyler. Tyler Jaman. Is that how you say it, Jaman? Jaman? German? I would say Jaman is how I pr- would pronounce that name. Not entirely sure. Never met him. We have a confession. Had anyone ever heard of Tyler Jaman before this weekend? I think I, I think I had because I was really into die stat my senior year of high school, and I basically knew everyone who was like, I'd at least heard of everyone who was in either the class, my graduating high school class, or like the class after me, just from looking at like results of different state meets. So the name definitely sprung. It sounded familiar, like from ten years ago or something. But I didn't honestly don't know anything else about him. I know he's actually. I know he's wa- married, and his wife also is one of the top Americans in the women's race. So uh, in Houston, so what training group? Go. We got to give a shout out. This guy has improved so much. He's only twenty six. He ran two twenty two in his debut in Chicago, twenty fifteen. Then he ran twenty two eighteen in Houston, twenty sixteen. Thirty six in the Olympic trials, two twenty four. This is all two, four marathons in 2016, then a 220, then a 220, another 216 in 2017, 20, three marathons last year, 20, 216, 219, 219. And then he runs a more a three-minute PR, 213.29. So this is his 11th marathon, and he PRs um, by a lot. So really good stuff. John, where is he training? Uh, he trains with Team USA Minnesota. Wow, good stuff. But I'm going to read you. Like you look him up until his job set, his like college times aren't even there. And Weldon's like, "How can that be?" And I'm like, "Well, because I've looked them up. This guy is a is a blue collar workhorse." So, guys, he ran at Iowa State. Looks like he graduated in 2015. Weldon, well, guess what place he got in the 2014 Big 12 cross country meet? 57th place. He's kind of like Weldon, folks. This guy ends up being a pretty good runner, but he could never get in the top 30 in his conference. Oh, actually, he got. Top 30, he's a junior. But he was 31st in the Big 12 cross country. 203rd at the Wisco Invite, his senior year. Outdoor track. Looks like he got hurt outdoor in 2014. Lewis PRs? 2014 at the Big 12 meet, he was 17th. He ran 32-13 for 10,000 meters. His PRs were only 30-36 and 14-57. So his his 5,000 PR is just a little bit faster than Emily Sisson's. Um, and he's running 213 in the marathon. So this guy, imagine if you had someone who's a minute faster than him at 5,000 running, you know, who's as good at the marathon as he was. Um, so shout out to Tyler. Good. We should have him on as a guest or something. It's like you, Weldon. That'd be way better at the marathon than you ever were. Yeah, did you guys, uh, one more thing on Houston, sort of the marathon results or the half marathon on the men's side. You know, the second American at least listed was Abinette Adrero. 10209. I'm like, who is that? I started Googling around. He's the husband of Birik Katayat Dijeffa, who won Houston for the second straight year. People in Let's Run are saying he's a U.S. citizen. So one, like he's some guy we've never heard of pretty much is the second best American. He's an Ethiopian immigrant to Houston. But he's married to Dijeffa. So the question is, you know, can she become a U.S. citizen? And if that's the case, then at some point we're going to have another 
what she's two twenty three. She ran two twenty three this year at Houston. I, I don't think the citizenship's coming anytime soon, but it just shows like we're very dependent upon, uh, you know, a lot of immigrants to sort of raise the bar for American distance running right now. A lot of the American men, you're just like, wait, I never heard this, and because you're looking down at Reed Fisher was first American and tenth, Abinet Adrera was eleventh, Parker Stinson twelfth. Um, Parker's, you know, that's his first big race under new coach, Dathan Rissenheim. It's a good run for him. One Oh two eleven, but these guys have a way to go ways to go. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely, uh, there's a big gap between 6208 and a half and sub two ten. And, you know, you had, you have 60, sorry, 6206. You, you have 62 minute half marathoners running that time, but they have to be really distance oriented. Like Robert said, it's more Dewey Griffiths ran. 61s that's really kind of what you want to be seeing for someone to get excited about so my phone cut out briefly again i keep cutting out i have to come back in well were you speculating that burg Geffa could possibly become an american since she's married to an american yes at some point i mean obviously right if you haven't read our week but, that was the weekly recap if you're more of a print person and not audio you can listen read that but i, I mentioned how it was her 25th race she won houston and she pr so 25th marathon which is really amazing to PR when you run that many marathons. Should we hit on Jim Walmsley very quickly, guys? I mean, he's tearing up the message boards. People are very interested to see how this guy did in Houston. He ran 64 flat, so he got the Olympic trials marathon qualifier right on the button. That's what his goal was, was to get that qualifier, so he got it. Uh, Does this move the needle for you guys? Are you excited? How do you guys feel about this result? I'm all about making money and funding my son's college fund. So I, I saw that the thread on, on Walmsley was popular. There's always threads on ultra guys that are popular. I don't really follow the ultra scene. So on our Monday conference call, I'm going to confess. I mean, you guys heard it. We have an all-staff conference call. I said, who is Jim's Walmsley and why should I care? Now, I knew that he was an ultra guy, and I had Googled his name, so I knew that he won Western States in a course record after failing apparently a couple of but then Steve Soprano is not on this com- on this podcast today, but one of our longtime employees says, quote, he's an ultra runner who won Western States. And for some reason, people are obsessed about him. So, John, is that all I need to know? Now, you're telling me there's some information I can find. Uh, is there basically an article that's been written about this? Well, yes, yeah, Sidious Mag basically resp- – I, I don't know if they were had a conference call bugged or, or what, but they published an article yesterday saying – uh, I think it was, I got to get the exact title right. I don't want to uh, discredit them here, but it's uh, it was about Walmsley and the title, it was called, Why Should Running Fans Care About Jim Walmsley's 64-Minute Half Marathon? And the basic point of the article was uh, that you've had a lot of runners who've had success on the track or the roads move up to the ultramarathon and have success there, but you've had very few people who were ultramarathoners um, move down and have success on you know at shorter distances in the on the track or on the roads or at the, at the marathon distance and he means like big time success and I, I don't know it's a 64 minute half marathon i mean it, it's obviously obviously good good run uh i don't think people you know i've seen some people saying like oh he barely made the trials like come on guys that's the you know give him credit he made the olympic trials he's not there's also that's not his main event i think it was pretty impressive that said it wasn't really close to what you would say elite. And, you know, if, if a regular guy who wasn't named Jim Walmsley ran 64 minutes at the half marathon in Houston, 
no one would have paid any attention. So I, I don't want to say he's up there, like, you know, competing with the best of the best, but I thought it was a solid run. And, you know, I, I'd be interested to see what he, if he plans on running the 2020 Olympic trials, what he could manage. But I don't think it's, it's not enough to be, it, you know, if people, there is a lot of argument of people saying, oh, well, if you put those ultra runners in like these regular races, or if you put the regular runners in the ultra marathons that dominate, I don't think this really sways that argument one way or another. I just think, you know, it's a respect, it's a respectable run um, by a guy okay. who I think it was impressive for him to step down and run out of his comfort zone against, uh, you know, some of the top Americans in the half. Yeah. I mean, there's just two different things uh, and sort of, we had the debate, are these ultra guys, is there a lot of popularity for it? Or is it just there's like a hyper-loyal audience and they make a lot of noise on Let's Run? Maybe it's, you know, a little bit of a combination. But some of these, you know, there's some pop culture guys like Joe Rogan has got one of the biggest podcasts in the world. Like he interviews ultra people. He's sort of into the ultra scene. So I think, you know, the concept of these guys going out there and running for 14, 20 hours in races, it's just a completely different thing. I mean, Western states, the records of you know, I think Jim's record's 14 hours and 30 minutes. UTMB, so that was a race. It's a big ultra race, over 100 miles, you know, mountain race up and down the whole entire way. That's 20 hours for the course record. And so it's just like a completely different thing. So everyone sort of assumed, oh, Jim's, a lot of people in Let's Run's like, oh, Jim's going to take it to him at UTMB, and he got crushed, you know. And so that creates discussion on on Let's Run. But like a 20-hour race in the mountains is very different from a 14-hour race, which is very different from a you know 104 half marathon which is really good but walmsley ran 1352 in college at air force like he's a very good flat track runner and you know the bigger engine you you take to these events the better generally speaking it's a better thing to start out with i mean obviously in a 20 hour race you know you may not need to be a sub 14 minute guy but i think the plan for jim is to make his marathon his official you know he's run all He's run a 1352 5K. He's doing these 100-mile races all the time, but his official marathon debut will be at the Olympic Trials, which would be kind of cool. I mean, my, my take on, on the ultra scene is I think it's more unpredictable than the marathon scene because the races are so much longer and the conditions. I mean, it's hot and it's cold. You're high and you're low. So I, I would, I haven't followed it closely, but I think it would be cool like if there actually was like a London marathon of the ultras and everybody did it, but I'm also sort of dismissive of it in the sense of, I, I think it's amazing. Actually, when I was running a lot, I was not that good of a runner, 67 minute half marathon, but um, I, I kind of thought, God, I think I'd be better at like a 50 K or a 50 miler. Like I was pretty good at running sort of slow, like sort of fast, but sort of slow for like a long period of time. Um, but I was like, thank God I never did one. Uh, and I'm intrigued to do one now, I think, but uh, <laughs> You know, I would love to see that. Uh, love. Come on. You haven't run more than 5K, I bet you, in a year. I ran 2.2 miles last week at 9.34. 22 minutes and 22 seconds at 9.34 mile pace. So, um, you know, hey, if I kept it up for like eight hours, I'd, I'd win these things, right? So, okay, ultra guys, I'm just kidding. But um, I, I think that some of these people think that they're the best in the world. Come on. I'm fully convinced that if the Africans did the ultra, they would dominate the ultra just like they do the running. And I was having this debate, I think with John, I think if I get your average, let's say I take a 205 Ethiopian, have him run a marathon. I was looking at Western States in June. So there aren't really any marathons around that. Let's find a guy, 
have him run a marathon, take two weeks off, and then I put him in ultra states and just say, run with Jim Walmsley, run next to him, you know, because pacing would obviously be an issue. So if you just run with the leader, that would be the smart move, right? And then just outkick him. Like, I would think he would win it's it. It's a hundred mile race. He would yeah, get crushed, the, Robert. The old sit and hundred mile not race walk. crushed. No. 50K, it, maybe on the roads even. This is just a very different thing. 50K on the roads, yeah. Kipchoge is just going to clean clock. Like, so you guys don't think Kipchoge would dominate the Western no, States? No, no. Here's the thing. I no, think Kipchoge 100K could. on the road, 100K mountain Western States, 100 miler, excuse me. You know, that's very different. I mean, look at Walmsley. He wins Western States, but he can't do UTMB, which is six hours long. They're both about the same distance. It takes six hours longer because you're going one of them's up like a and mountain down mountains right? the whole way. Okay, so yeah. I, want, I want to take Cam Ward. Now, I guess this is a, this is an attribute. This is a compliment to Walmsley and these guys. If I'm debating whether Jeffrey Cam Ward, but he's a world cross-country champion two times. He's got great endurance. He's a 205, 206 marathoner. You don't think he could win that really without even training for it? Not without training for uh, it. I think if these miler? guys did no specific way. specific ultra marathon training for a period of time, I think they would and especially if you got a critical mass, if like if you just had all of the top Kenyans and Ethiopians do it, I think a couple of them would be really good at it. They would dominate and they, you know, they'd be the best ultra marathoners in the world. But if you got one specific guy if you got Kim Warrow for the UNT- UTMB for this big mountain race and really trained him hard for it. I think he'd have a good shot to win, but he'd have to prepare specifically for the ultra marathon. So, you know, Elliot Kipchoge is not out here running, you know, repeat 200s and training like a miler. He's training like a marathon because that's the event he's running. So if he prepared to run the 100 I'm miles, I think he'd be the best. stage candidate at Cornell, who's a good ultra guy. He could, t- you know, I mean, Kim Warrow is like 30 I mean, they- seconds a mile faster than these guys for a marathon. So he could like run and then take a 30 second break every, every. Oh, Robert, please. I mean, I mean some of this it, stuff's yeah. pretty interesting. Just, Even like UTMB versus Western States, we're going to get hate mail. And all these people, once they promise, hopefully no, you know, we'll keep it quiet. We won't let them listen to this because like the ultra guys get so peeved off at some of the comments, you know, we don't follow it or whatever. They take like an offense. It's just a different but, thing, right? But, like, I was looking was at UTMB, the, the, the course record holder. I mean, the course isn't the same every year, but um, the fastest UTMB was in the first year. I mean, I'm sure that people maybe could, you know, find some problems with, I guess the course was shorter. Um, but like this guy, his last name's Sherpa. He's like one of those Nepalese cross country skiers. And he won it the first year. Like, you know, it just shows like the, the people who are suited to this are very different. The further you go, the more mountains you go, just the, it becomes a completely different sport. I really um, want to call John. Right. I tried to not call a lot of do this, right? So it's a different thing. But Walmsley's pretty amazing. I'm glad that, you know, we should start paying attention to him now because he's an Olympic trials qualifier and let's see what he can do in the trials. Well, I think it's more think interesting. It's just like going, it's the same reason why people are obsessed with Gwen Jorgensen. People want to think that the best of their little sport is going to be the best at running. And the the answer is no, but it still is interesting because we can't prove it because we haven't seen it. So I wanted to call John Kellogg. He would be able to answer this question on like how you, your success at, at a, you know, does your success at a 26 mile distance correlate to a success at a hundred mile distance? But if you look at it, guys, I mean, most 5k runners are, are pretty good at the marathon. You know, there, there aren't many 1255, 5,000 meter runners that wouldn't be pretty good at the marathon. And that's a distance that's eight times as far as a 5k. So um, to say these guys wouldn't be great is sort of not, not true. It, one, I think one thing that's though, not what we're saying, Robert, though. We're not saying that we're saying the, the, the 5k diet doesn't take 5k training and just go run a marathon. That's our point. Because uh, how passionate they are. And I love that these threads pop up and people are into it. 
and I love that Sage Canada, Max Martin Cornell makes a living in it. Well, nasty and how big of an audience is it? I don't think it's that big because I mean, full track, which tries to monetize everything. They're probably trying to monetize my own podcast here somehow. Um, they had, a, they started a trail website. It lasted about three months and then they canceled it. So BC guys somehow didn't see the money in that. All right. Well, I think that's a, that's a wrap on Houston. I'm Jim Walmsley, ultra marathon fans. What love it or hate it. We did talk about your sport. So I think we need to get a little respect for at least uh, bringing it up. And, and but did you hear, you know what they're going to focus on? Did you hear what Robert said? He, he, he just called it, tra- is, he said trail running is the same as ultra marathoning. And he, no, he said stuff. they're little, they're little. Sport. Oh yeah. Yeah. God, the hate mail is coming in. Robert witness protection. I'm going right. I'm to, I'm, I'm going to raise, get my own 10 grand and get the, t- get a two ten guy. We have some, we got to talk about some other stuff because yeah. the indoor track season kicks off national television this weekend on NBCS and the new balance indoor grand prix. Hope that's the current name of that, this meet. Um, is this weekend and there's like tremendous tremendous races uh you know we don't have this sort of indoor circuit that we really used to have in the past but this one's stacked what's the best race for you guys in, in this 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 meets amazing first of all this is, on the, this, this is a this is part of the idea of oaf world indoor tour this is the only u.s meet right on the OAF world indoor tour but uh, the men's 800 from an american perspective you have donovan brazier versus clayton murphy so both members of the nike oregon project now but one more speed oriented one more mile oriented plus sour donia the spaniard who ran 143 one world indoor bronze last year i mean that is worth the price of the men alone um and brazier just came back what his first race in what 223 days or something like that 323 days i thought you said uh, 323 days and so he's healthy he's he ran the equivalent of a 146 for an 800 murphy's already won a 146 this year um and that 218 1000 where he lost to kajelcha so that'll be very very interesting um god there's a sick 3000 though edward cheswick versus hagros gabriel hewitt um the mile has yomif kajelcha who beat murphy in the 1000 weeks ago yomif kajelcha who ran what 1245 last year He's going to drop down the mile to race Nick Willis. So that's pretty sick. And then Jenny Simpson versus Constance Koster. Koster Holfen. How do you say it, John? Koster Holfen. Who's also now a Nike Oregon Project, well, an official Nike Oregon Project team member. Um, I mean, Jenny Simpson hasn't run a 5K since 2013. PR is 14.56. Koster Holfen's PR is 14.51. American Indoor Records, 14.47. Could that possibly go? I. I uh, over under does the record go i say no i say no but i think jenny simpson oh, i don't i don't know if i want to say she's a better runner than she was in 2013 but i think she's a better runner than she was in 2009 when uh she ran 1501 as a collegiate indoors you know she's always had some pretty good natural endurance i don't think she i don't think she's in shape to run the american record especially since you know she only she gets in shape for this meet but she doesn't really run an indoor season apart from this meet every year because it's by her sponsor new balance so, yeah, I would say she could break 15. I don't think she's going to get the American record, but who knows how fast Klaus Alphen's going to go for. I think we should do questions like we did last year. So, John, who wins that race in your Ooh, opinion? Who wins that race? Oh, uh, I mean, the thing is, you just don't know what... I mean, Klaus Alphen, I think she ran, what, 429 or something in uh, at the UW meet a couple weeks ago. So, Simpson... You know, again, she hasn't raced since the end of the track season. Yeah, Constance Klof- Costa Halfen ran 243, 429, 1K mile double at uh, the UW meet two weeks ago. 
who wins the race? Oh man, you put me on the spot. I mean, Jenny's such a fierce competitor. I really, oh man, this is tough. I'm going to pick Simpson, but I really, I'm not entirely confident in her. Yeah. I mean, I'm fascinated. I'm really excited about that race because I think it's great that Jenny's a training for the 5,000. I, I think that that is going to help her out this summer. Uh, I'm, I'm going with Coster Helfen for the win there. Um, in the mile, who wins, Kajelcha or Willis? I'm going to answer that question myself. I don't have any doubt about this. Kajelcha is going to destroy Willis. Willis has run 150 already, and, and he's been down under in uh, you know New Zealand and Australia, where he's from, and he's run 150 and 341. Um, I mean, Kajelcha is is amazing, and I, I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, I think you know he's he's a Nike Oregon Project team member now. I mean, if Rupp's running on 350 into a mile, why couldn't this guy run 347, 348 easily? Uh, well, not easily, but I, I think he's that type of talent. Um, what I would really like to see uh, is Kajelcha in that 3,000. I mean, imagine if we had Kajelcha, Cheserik, and Gabriel Hewat. I mean, that would be amazing. So everyone agree with me, Kajelcha, in the mile for the victory? Yes. Yes, no question. And like you said, oh, that would be amazing. This one's got some great races because there's some matchups, you know, Kajelka versus Willis, Cheserik versus Gabriel at um, Simpson versus Klosterhofen. It would be great if Kajelka was in the 3K as well, but like th- you could almost build him up like, hey, just go after the mile world record indoors. It's not race that much. I think if anyone could do it, he might be one of the guys. Uh, I mean, hell, there was some talk last year that Cheserik might be able to get it, but. There's some really good races. It's on TV. It was is it two to four p.m. on Saturday? That on Saturday, uh, I want to say it's from about five to seven, uh, and we'll we'll have on-site coverage. I will be there for Let's Run.com. I'll be at the press conference on Friday, getting some questions in, and then okay. uh, at the race itself. So we, yeah, we, meet we runs from five to ra- seven Eastern time. Saturday. There's also one other race. That they're building up. Wait, wait, wait. What about McLaughlin? We, we, we didn't make our picks. Brazier or Murphy? We, we can leave Ordania's out. Oh. Who wins, Brazier or Murphy? I, I'm adamant about this. Uh, I'm going to say, oh man, I don't think you should be strong about anything. Oh, but I'm why not? Because they're both really, really good. I, I'm going to say Brazier. I'm not sure either. I mean, Brazier almost broke the American record last year, and very early in the season. So could Johnny Gray's record go? I'm gonna go. I think I'm gonna go Brazier as well. Yeah, I, th- I think just based off his indoor success last year. I mean, Murphy did run pretty well, but he he also lost to Kajelcha in the one k. I think the other thing about Murphy is I, I like Murphy's tactical chops a little bit more than Brazier, but I think Brazier might you know indoors have the pure speed. Anyway, uh, Robert, Wait. you said there was an obvious pick in it. What are we missing in this race? Yeah. I- Cut out, I think, but d- definitely Murphy. I mean, Murphy's run, they both run the equivalent of, of, of 146 this year, but Murphy did it in 1,000. Brazier did it in 600. So Brazier's more of a speed guy. To me, he should be better at 600 than he is 800. So I, I, I don't think that when he steps up in distance, it's not going to be uh, as well. Murphy's, come on, he's the Olympic bronze medalist. Uh, I don't understand why he would be losing um, to Brazier in, in 800 this early in the season. I think Brazier's probably still working on his endurance. He's, he missed so much time. Murphy easily beats Brazier in this race. Um, I'm, I, you know, I don't know about Ordonez or not. Um, Cheserick versus Hagos G in the 3,000. I'm going with Cheserick. I remember last year, Cheserick beat Gabriel Hewitt the day after running a 349 mile. So 
I think Edward G. Uh, the the cheese is is going to win that one. Now there is. Did you just one call race. him the cheese, Robert? Yeah, Edward Cheese. I used to call him the king, but the cheese. Um, oh, can, we, can we criticize the meat? We've been praising the New Balance meat organizers for so long. We're not, but yeah, about to say we have one non-race. Also, it's the professional debut of Cindy McLaughlin, and we're going to have to hear um, about it for two hours on the broadcast. She's running the. Let's see. The 500 and not the 300, or the 300 and not the 500. She's running the 500. She's running the 500. There's a very good, a very good here's who she's facing. Yeah. In right, the, in the 500, Sydney McLaughlin will face Hannah Green, Ashley Taylor, and Delon Zanatelli. Uh, now, I know that Hannah Green and Ashley Taylor are both 800 runners. I don't know anything about Delon Zanatelli, but I also saw that she was entered in the 600 meters earlier in the meet. So, you know, there's a six hundred two. At least make it interesting. Make Sydney run the six hundred. They're setting this, this up so race. she wins. Yes, you know she's their their face. They think it's good, probably the face of them. You know they're trying to get into, into sprinting. Really, they really haven't had sprinters. There's a great three hundred. It has Kendall Ellis, Gabby Thomas, and Shakima Wimbley. It'd be much better to have McLaughlin racing the five hundred. But it's like Mo Farah when he races in Europe. A lot of criticism for putting him up in cream puff fields. But people will get to see her. She'll make her debut. And that will be that. Bigger question, end of the year, Sydney McLaughlin. Is she the world champion? And does she have the world record in the 400-meter hurdles? I think she's the world champ. World record, I mean, certainly well within her capability. Um, You know, she ran, it's in the 52s. She ran 52 last year. Um, I'm going to say no on the world record, but yes on the world champ. She got a new coach, right? Who's now? Yeah, she switched to Joanna Hayes. I'm going to um, go no and no because right? I don't know. I, I, I've always said the athlete makes the coach, but for some reason her sh- skipping coaches has bothered me a little bit, the hubris. But um, I don't know. I, think I mean, she better was pretty good before she got to Kentucky, Robert. Incredibly good. Incredibly but good. she got she a lot better, better last better. year. Yeah, that's true. And yeah, I don't. I'm, I'm not convinced – Nothing's automatic, you know. We'll see how that goes. Switching coaches in the hurdles. Oh, I mean, do we know that she even had the option matter. though to stick with four y'all? Because isn't Texas a Nike school? Might be an issue. Yeah, but what a, um, I'm trying to think. I, Corey, Corey, sorry, Kenny Harrison is an Adidas athlete, oh, and she I'm has sorry. been training under Floreal for the last few years. So I, I don't think that's a deal breaker. So if you're from another company, you can run for a Nike coach. But if from another, if you're from Nike, you can't run for like. A non-Nike code. That's pretty much the way it works. Anyways, um, by breaking news, do we have like a breaking news, like like a some sort of sound effect we can make? I just put myself on mute. John Kellogg called me back and I asked him if a two hundred five guy could win Western, you know, one of these ultra races. And he he said, "Ultra fans, you're gonna like this." He said he was pretty sure they could win it, but he said they needed to train for it um, for several hmm. months. Was someone saying that earlier on this podcast? Maybe, I don't remember. Maybe Did someone else say that? He said maybe a year. He's like, you know, th- those guys, uh, they, they, they train their trail running muscles for, for years. And he's just like, he's like, just like how you think a, a distance runner would win a stair climbing contest. They probably wouldn't do it unless they practiced it. So there you have it, folks. John Kellogg with a shout out of love to the ultra running. So, ever, so we were all right. There was only one idiot who didn't believe that it would take I, a bunch of training. I'm going to spend ten thousand dollars of Let's Run's money on a two hundred eight guy and see what happens. Sound business decision uh, there. Can I can, right. can I go to the Sound race decision. and stream? Can, can I no? But I want to stream my own 
Like I want to go to Western States, but have my own feed. Well, I just follow this guy around myself with my own feed, and you have to pay to watch my feed. Like how are you gonna keep up with him? Oh, that's a good point. It's also in, to, I'll get a, like. ooh, ooh, a drone. Ooh. I'll get a drone. Very smart. Very smart. Also, this weekend there's some indoor track action in my city, New York City. The Doctor Sander, Sander invite. Um, so the. It's not the Milrose games. I guess the big thing, Kate went to a, we going for the American high school 3k record. So she's racing a pro field. It's not a you know, super strong pro field, which is best because she's in like an 845 race. She's not going to be there. The indoor record is uh, 904 for Mary Kane. There's also a 902 on the oversized track. The all time high school best is Katie Rainsberger's nine flat. Uh, last year, Caitlin ran 9.05 in Long Island in a high school meet. So, And she seems focused on this, and she pretty much does whatever she wants to do. And the pro field's got Heather Camp, Amy Lloyd, and Neil. So I don't know. She Caitlin's run what, 4.39 this year, but for the mile, it's about, what, 4.19 or roughly for 1,500. I mean, last year she ran 4.14. So but she's focused on this. That's not more like a training run. I think she might get it. Yeah, I'm inclined to say yes, simply because I think she's better than she was last year. You know, her cross-country season, her best races were better than last year when she was healthy. Um, she ran faster at NXN. So, yeah, I think I think why not? She'll uh, get it by a couple seconds. I think next week when we do the podcast, I want to go back to last week's format. We had just more straight questions. Instead, we're sort of in- introducing concepts and then sort of answering questions, but... When I watch these talk shows and TV, it's just all questions after questions. Yes or no? Well, do we break the record? Next week, I want to talk about who is the favorite for world cross country. I'm very excited about it. I want to know what Americans are doing it. You have no excuses. If you're running a 62-minute half in Houston, please run world cross country. Thank you very much. Uh, so I wanted to ask last week, will Semenya be banned? My answer is no, she will not be. And one question I think it's worth bringing up right now, and I meant to bring this up I, I wanted to bring this up last week. John had told me in his preview of Houston that Kara Goucher was the biggest name in all of Houston. I made him take that out of it. And he was adamant that it's true. And I think I've been proven incorrect. John, you're right again, because the thread on Kara DNFing was gigantic on Let's Run. So she's a bigger name than Bridget Coast Guy, which really isn't fair. Bridget Coast Guy is what, a 218 marathoner? Yeah. But, but I, I mean, mean, for our audience, of course she's a bigger name. All right, guys. We can. It hasn't been a full week since our last podcast, but th- this is relevant. We did threads of the week last week, and so for the last week, the top two threads: Walmsley runs one hundred four f- flat. Does that make it? And then number two: Did Kara DNF? So we've been talking about both those things. Also, Rob, Robert Life, has a the Houston scorching. Live thread with number four, and then also number three: Emma Coburn core exercise. So, Wait, what about my scorching? Sex you have cells. A, People are probably a, interested in what the core exercise thing entailed. Robert has a scorching hot take about Jim Walmsley running one hundred four yes. zero zero. Can you I read somewhere share in the, the thread people? that he ran one hundred four like zero zero point two? If that's true, you round up. A road time is always rounded up. So if you run sixty four zero zero point oh two if they have like an f a t then you round up to the next second, so that would be sixty four oh one therefore he would not be in the trial now I'm just saying technically he would not be in the trials. I would be for letting him in, but my scorching hot take when I read that on the trial someone said he ran sixty four oh point two I thought I read that 
then that would be no. 6401, you did not qualify. So. Well, you heard it. All right. Uh, I think we should also address Dubai real quick. Um, that well, race. Well, yeah. In the, the armory meet, the Norm Sander invite, there's a four by mile record attempt. And, you know, I get these press releases. I, 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 li- I live like two miles from the armory track. And I thought it was just the Brooks Beast team of David Ribich, Henry Wine, Brandon Kidder, and Isaac Yorks going for it. But they'll be racing the Hoka New Jersey New York track club, which to me makes it much more interesting. I want to race one of most, I get most record attempts if I can get him. What's the record? The record's 16 12 two years ago, set by Hoka. So that's fun. That could be a good one. I mean, four three to man, it shouldn't be that hard, but like you get one guy who's off and it's in trouble. But, you know, uh, I'd like to see that record get under 16 minutes. You could do it. I feel like you could do that. I don't know. I mean, so, I guess maybe but that means not, not going to be an NBCSN, right? This- yeah, this one's yeah, on the uh, NBC Gold package. But I will be on hand reporting it. So if the record goes down, oh good, I already have. You know, ideally, you know, if a record goes down, this meets earlier. They then could put, you know, cover the sport as a sport and say, hey, here's highlights of this thing that happened earlier. On and gold, so hopefully for gold, yes. Yeah, we, here's what we had on gold. You didn't get to see it unless you paid because most people aren't going to be paying. So, but you know, two good indoor track meets this weekend, and. Yeah, John, let's let's turn to Dubai. What was formerly the world's richest marathon with a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar first prize, two hundred thousand dollar first prize. It was two hundred. So when they first put they first put the prize money in big time in two thousand eight, that's when uh, the the government of Dubai, I think, just started sort of supporting this thing, and they made it one million dollars total prize money. Hailey G came and ran 204. He, you know, he was only 26 seconds off his world record. Um, the first place prize was $250,000. And there was also a $1 million world record bonus. So they went all in and pumping this thing up. And it's become, you know, one of the glamour races on the athletics calendar. But then they eventually reduced the prize money a little bit to $200,000 for first place. It was still the biggest in the sport. Uh, and now they've cut it even further. Um, this is really a significant cut. Last year, we ran the numbers. It was $825,800 total prize money last year. They've cut it in more than half this year, down to $394,800. It's still $100,000 for first, which is you know in line with some of the very uh, biggest races in the, in the world. But it's, not, uh, it's no longer the richest marathon in the world. You know, New York and uh, Boston, I think maybe Chicago even have surpassed it. Uh, and the explanation is... I I think essentially if I'm reading between the lines here, well, I'll read the explanation first and then I'll sort of interpret it. This is from Dubai marathon race director, Peter Connaughton. He said the Dubai prize money is reduced for 2019 as a result of a decision by the IAAF to exclude the Dubai marathon from the opportunity of becoming a platinum label in the new athletics event ranking system. The Dubai marathon with the support of the Dubai government has since 2008 contributed over it. $11 million in prize money tax-free to the marathon event, attracting to its shores some of the biggest names of the sport, including Haile Gebrselassie and Kennedy Sabakele. The hierarchy of the sport has decided for the marathon that to be a platinum label, you must have 15,000 finishes. By default, this excludes Dubai from that category. After contributing so much to the sport since 2008, we feel let down by the sport after the initiative of His Royal Highness back in 2007 to promote Dubai and the marathon. So, yeah, I think if you interpret that, it's basically saying, you know, the uh, the Dubai government has 
poured a lot of money into this race. And as part of that, they want recognition from the IAAF. I don't, I think the average fan doesn't really care whether a race is a platinum label or a gold label or that sort of thing. But the fact of the matter is Dubai is not a world marathon major and now it doesn't have this platinum label that they're going for. And so sounds like the uh, government, which has been supporting this race and pouring all the prize money in, feels slighted and has decided to uh, cut the prize money significantly. It's Can I sort of... It's easy to understand that, I right? I mean, it makes sense to me. I mean, we need to have a different designation for, for Dubai. Fine. If they, IWF wants to have these things, but this is like the top marathon in, in the Middle East. It's one of the top competitive marathons in the world. So if they want to have some just rote criteria for races to be a certain level, fine. But like this race was special from a competitive professional level. The IWF needs to reward that and somehow. I don't know if there's some other designation they could give them, but it's, you know, $400,000 in prize money are now gone from the sport because they couldn't get this designation. And I know and, what a lot of, a lot of people are thinking what John was saying, John to me said, why would they care about the label? But I think sometimes I, I've noticed that it's a big deal for the road races. I don't know why I think it's maybe because the government pays for them, but a lot of European countries too, they're like, we want to be gold. We want to be silver. And there's certain criteria that you have to have so many runners from different countries and this and that. And maybe it's just because the average, it's hard to explain to a person like, you know, if you're whoever's paying for this, like, hey, we're one of the top races in the world, and they don't understand that unless they have this label. I don't really get it either, but it is important to them. Um, so it, it's, you know, kind of interesting. One thing I don't get is, you know, Abbott World Marathon majors. Like, did I ever try to get into that? And why would Abbott not let them in? Like, Abbott wouldn't let wanted- them in for the same re for the same reason. They want a bunch of finishers. They want the fitness aspect. Yeah, they are big on that six-star finisher medal, you know, um, which may be encouraging uh, athletics in the Middle East and women competing in Muslim-dominated countries. I know. It's like, I don't know, any sort of cartel. They want to protect what they're about. So So anyways, hopefully Dubai can get its money back and get the status that it needs because it's going to be a real shame. You know, we don't need – I don't know. Now we're going to have to kind of have two like Abu Dhabi and this. Yeah. Well, and the cra- the crazy thing about Dubai was always the, the drop off, you know, from first to second, I mean, second place was still $80,000, which is a very, you know, sizable amount, but to these, we had some of these great finishes last year. There was six guys between, uh, you know, two flat, two or four flat and two or four 15. And first place gets $200,000. But I think sixth place was only about $12,000. And, just the go- the drop off from only being a few seconds back and just going from you know two hundred thousand dollars to just in the you know low five figures it was crazy that that was determined by you know who's sprinting the fastest in the last hundred meters of a twenty six point two mile race and that drama you know is you know, you'll still have the drama but there's not as much money on the on the line anymore right but a hundred thousand dollars for first. And, you know, the joke was that this race really was just like the Ethiopian marathon championships because it's always front loaded with Ethiopians and not a lot of Kenyans come to it. And one reason I heard is because Kenyans, a lot of them take more time off and like sort of the, our fall, early winter, whereas Ethiopians just culturally are more likely to train year round. But we have Guy Adola, the man who came closest to anyone of beating the great Elia Kipchoge. I guess that what that was two years ago in Berlin, the 2017 Berlin Marathon, where he ran 203.46 in his debut and was ahead of 
Kipchoge late in the race. Um, he's in this one sort of, he had, he had a tough 18 and, uh, you know, I'm sure he's focused on this race for a reason. Cause there's no appearance fees here. You, you, you perform or you don't and you get paid. So the fact he's here, I think that might mean he's ready for big things. Um, you've also got a safe, Minchu, uh, who was fourth last year. He won Seoul. He's run 20406 as well to say Lima 20408. That was only fifth last year. I mean, it's pretty crazy how fast these guys were. Um, Lemmy Burhanu, who won Boston in 2016, is in the field. So it's still a very stacked field. And it's paper performance. Be kind of crazy if someone like blast a super fast time this year. Yeah. you know the world records out gone pretty much. So <laughs> used to be we would would run like Houston. I mean Houston pays like forty five grand for two ten. That's crazy. He picked it up. Gaia Dole, big race for him. I mean, to me, I'm really interested in how he does because I think he ran two thirty two in London last year and then didn't run a fall marathon. So I hope he doesn't end up like sort of like Ayale Abchero, former Dubai winner who ran two hundred four twenty three in his marathon debut in Dubai, and then I think he ran two hundred six in his second marathon in London for third and then has never broken 206 cents so well i just got an email from his agent johnny johnny demadonna Uh, i wanted to check in before the race get an update on adola and he told me that uh he had some stomach problems early in the year which were later diagnosed as an ulceration in his stomach um and from there he was stop and go in his training um so it wasn't going great then London, uh, it was a hot day. He really ran badly and picked up an injury there as well, ran 232 and struggled. Um, Demadonna wrote that he wanted to start competing again in June and the coach allowed him to, but the only reason the coach let him do that was basically to prove to him that he wasn't ready to start racing again. And so they put a stop to that, got really back to training in September and October, and now he says uh, he looks ready to race again at his top level. So mm-hmm. hope oh, that all exciting. is well with Adola that he's fit and uh, because, you know, at his best, he's obviously a special runner. That's very exciting. Folks, one of the fastest guys in history and folks, he'll be the hero of the Electron Nation because he did not drop out of London, folks. He finished 232. I know people get mad when people like Bikile drop out of races late. He dropped out in the 26th mile of his last marathon. And speaking of Bikile, John, share the breaking news. Uh, We have a a spring marathon announcement for Kennedy Bikile. He is running in... Tokyo, uh, and that is March, the first weekend in March, um, so not too far away, and I guess might, I, I, maybe this is uh, John, an insult to Tokyo the greatest of all time. March. Spring starts on March 20th. Okay, all right, all right. It's, uh, you know, what if you want to be technical. The seasons are off. The seasons um, are off. It's not June, even July, the spring. and summer. What? We need to redo the seasons. June, okay. July, and August is summer. You know, go from there. Yeah, I mean, in, in in Boston, March is certainly still winter. I would say that. But anyway, my my question, you know, may, maybe this is an insult to the guy who I think is the greatest runner of all time. But my question is, if Bekele struggles in Tokyo, should he hang it up? Is this it for the marathon? I mean, look at here are his marathon results. He's run two oh three oh three. All right, he's very very good. That's the third fastest uh, on a record eligible course of all time. Um, that was in 2016 when he won Berlin, but his marathon results since that race, DNF 2017, Dubai second in 2017, London. So that was a very good run though. Kipchoge wasn't in that field. Um, DNF 2017, Berlin 
sixth in London last year, DNF 2018 Amsterdam. You know, that's that's three DNFs in the last two years. If he if he DNFs in Tokyo or if he runs poorly in Tokyo, should he call it quits? Do you think he should keep going? I mean, his legacy at this point, I think, is secure. He's run a 203-03 marathon. What do you guys think? No, 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 no. No retirement. I want him automatically named as an automatic selection to the 2020 Ethiopian Olympic team. Farah, let's see what Farah does. I've been laughing at the GOAT status, but if Farah wins the gold in the marathon in 2020, he might take that title. I want to see them, him. I want to see Bakile, even if he hasn't done anything since 2017 London, where he was second, which is not that long ago. And I want to see Kipchoge. That would be so epic. Just the concept, the idea, even if they were in horrific shape, you could think they were in great shape. Um, so, you know, I mean, what had, I'm trying to look to see what, seeing what had Meb done before he won Boston, but he actually was fourth in the Olympics in 2012 before he won Boston in 2014. So, talent doesn't go away. Bekele's, I don't want him return. If Bekele's motivated, I don't think, you know, he still could run something great. Uh, he's for sure likely in the back part of his career, but like every poor marathon he runs, his agent, Yas Herman, essentially says, like, he's not dedicated to this the way he needs to be. So, I don't know. Can he regain that dedication? At some point, Father Time is caught up, is going to catch up to him if it hasn't already. I think I, I, I like as long I'd as like he wants to keep giving it a go, keep going out there. But at some need, point, need, if you keep putting in the same effort, you're going to get the same results. So I, mean, I, I think what it, it is it's hard. It, it, I mean, he's like the, he faces some of the problems I do, but like by a factor of like ten thousand. I'm no motivated to run because I can't hit my old times, and that's common for people. I think he wants to get the world record, but he ain't running 201.39. So I think he'd be better. Tokyo seems to me like a good race for him. Just race and don't go to Berlin. Just go to New York. He's a great cross-country runner. He'd be amazing in New York and focus on winning that. And then go to the Olympics. It'll be tactical and try to win that. But they may not motivate him, but he's never going to get the world record. But if someone's got to instill, he might, if he's not motivated to train, he's not going to be winning these races. But I would love to see him in New York in twenty later on this year. That would be amazing. But I think this podcast is coming on like we've probably been over an hour already, which trying to keep it under an hour. And we we need to get to the calls. I mean, the night the Nike four percent vapor fly shoe I think has been on hold this entire time, patiently waiting. Yes. yes. Um, we we need to reward. Is it her or him, or is it? I guess in this day and age, it's however she's identifying today. But reward the shoe for being so patient. I don't know. You, you guys decide. Here it is. Let's run.com. User audio. The Nike Vapor 4%. And it's run. Just going to tell you this is 4%, man. This is Vapor 5, 4%. I want to tell you something, man. Americans are getting better. It's because of me. The Japanese are getting better. It's me. The Kenyans are getting better. It's me. It's all about the, the plate. The better plate. Little bit of foam, little bit of boing boing, you know? It's all because of me. So let me tell you something. Next time you see another world record of PR, or some people running fast, you don't think they're going to run fast? Just think of me, man. I don't know how much longer I'm going to be here, but I'm going to be here a little bit longer, okay? Ciao. I thought that was tremendous. A little bit of well bang done, bang. whoever submitted that. The Nike 4%. It's all about the blade. I like the bing bing comment. Where... Do, how do you submit user audio? Because I don't even know how to do that myself. 
Well, on the podcast, at the bottom of the podcast, we leave a link, an audio player to do it. There's a thread on the forum about it. You know, click here to submit user audio. So if you go to the podcast page on the website, it's at the bottom now. We need to put um, it on the forum again because you say it's there. I'm on the forum. It's not there right now. Check the middle. You'll see it. Couple of, cu- couple other sort of parting points. We missed, didn't mention that the marathon debut of former World 10K champion Ibrahim Jalon is in Dubai on Thursday night as well. The Dubai race is perfect. It's Thursday really? night in the United States. It'll be streamed live on Let's Run. So this will be great. I mean, I wonder if with Adola and Jalon, you could see something fabulous. If the old world record was what it was, I would say maybe these guys can go after it. But with the new record, so, maybe not. People talk about that every year, Weldon, and we always point out the weather in Dubai. It's hot. It's you know, it's high of eighty one, low of sixty three. It's just yeah. usually they all go out on world record pace every year, and the, I guess they have been getting faster over the last few years. They're in two hundred four eleven and twenty. Yeah, the weather or flat last year, but two hundred two fifty seven was the old world record. No one's running that on Friday on Thursday. Come on. I'm really excited for Joe Lyon. I'm feeling pretty clear going, though. Go ahead. I was looking up Joe Lyon on Tilla Stops this week. I was like, whatever happened to that guy? I'm very excited about that. Thank you for telling me that. That's Thursday night on Let's Run. Um, A couple other sort of parting notes. we got to check in on our sponsor, Floyd's of Leadville. I took some CBD oil at the start of this podcast. Feeling very sharp. Feel good. Um, You know, I I didn't remember about the weather in Dubai, but Otherwise, hey, you know, I'm not feeling out of it. That was the concern from Robert. He's in theory, these products are supposed to help you with recovery and even alertness and that sort of stuff. So <laughs> I think Robert was worried I'd feel stoned. And that's definitely not the intent of these things. But if you go to Floyd's Leadville, use code Let's Run 10, you can get 10% off. This wasn't a thread of the week, but I want to I want this featured on the homepage because I'm finally taking criticism. Thread is Brojo's hypocrisy. Why is Let's Run in business with convicted doper Floyd Landis? Well, a couple things. I guess you could call us hypocrites if we were very strongly anti-doping and we're working with a guy who was a convicted doper. And you could say maybe we should never do business with that type of thing. I, I don't know. Like if somebody wants to advertise, I guess uh, you know. I guess we do evaluate the advertisers. So we're not going to take anyone's money. But Floyd confessed to what he did. He did a ton to clean up the sport. We need people like Floyd to come clean. If Floyd doesn't come clean and tell his story, some call him a rat, all this other stuff. Well, Lance Armstrong does not go down. Lance Armstrong would still be this hero. We would all have this fake reality of what sport is about. Instead, like Floyd came clean, Lance goes down. Maybe sport's not any cleaner, but people have a clear picture of what's going on. And we need more Floyd Landis's out there, more people who are doping to come out and tell the truth. So if you were doping, you want to admit the truth? I have no problem with you advertising on Let's Run. We need more people like you. We're all human beings. We all make mistakes in life. And then it, the question is, is Floyd, he can't undo the past. So then each step forward, what's he supposed to do? Keep lying about it or try try to help improve the sport? So some may question his motives, but in my mind, the sports were closer to the truth. And that's what we need. You know, that's one of the first starting points to get clean sport is assessing how serious the problem was. So, guys, do you guys got any final point? Any fi- ugh, final parting shots, points? 
I enjoyed it, guys. I, I got to get on the message board. I just I, I looked for the audio link and I was on there, and now I'm scanning. I'm scanning the subjects on the threads. I I need to get off immediately. There's a budding romance I need to read about. This thread will probably be deleted soon. If this is true, it's gonna blow my. Yeah, I think. And a track. I'm looking forward to uh, going to the meet in Boston, seeing, uh, getting together with some of the, yeah, I think Carl Denny, my Irish, uh, sometimes drinking buddy will, will be there. Um, so it'll be good to reunite with him and watch some great track and field action. Yes. The, and we haven't congratulated John on this season. It's finally here. We haven't congratulated John on his New England Patriots making yet against yet another Super Bowl. John, congratulations. Thank you, Robert. It's, uh, it's basically been a 18 year, Magic carpet ride. I don't know. Gravy train. It's I. I can't believe they they're going to the Super Bowl again. It's just. A, a but John, do you enjoy it? Aren't you worried about the loss? Like, wouldn't you rather go out in, like the first round of the playoffs than have a crushing loss of the Super Bowl like you did last year when you didn't punt but lost the game somehow? No, I would rather th- losing in the first round would be embarrassing for the Patriots at this point. I would rather go to the Super Bowl with a chance to win. Well, you didn't punt and you lost. The ball. Didn't even realize that. But all right, guys. I'm excited to the professional track and field season is here finally. And I'm also excited that we did what we said podcast two weeks in a row. Congratulations, everybody until next week. This is Wells and Johnson signing off for let's run.com. <laughs>